Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Welcome to this week's edition of the Leon Dreisel Radio Hour. Joining us once again from the Pacific Northwest, Patrick. Patrick, how was your week of Leon Dreisel? Oh, it was very good, you know. As a German myself, it's very wonderful to see a German out there playing the game of ice hockey. So, um proficiently as we would expect from a german um even though the german is running on a flat tire he is still outperforming um you know most of the especially the the american-made cars um as we would expect because we are german ah you used an interesting uh phrase there a uh, flat tire could you elaborate well it appears that, that um that the octung baby technic has suffered um, a malfunction in one of the boots. Um, it, it appears to be the right boot, or the right, as we would say in German. Um, so it is not operating at 100% currently. Hmm. It's, it sounds like that would be an issue moving around in the middle of... Uh... in the middle of space and traffic, but it seems that it hasn't affected all aspects of mobility. Well, the the operational system in the German 3.0 um, has been upgraded to to um, be more finely attuned to the visual acuities of space and time than of velocity. Very interesting. Uh, should it be said that 26 points in 12 games is a remarkable feat given the mechanical deficiencies that Leon is facing? It's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it really it's is. Just, it's just stupid. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You oh, know. they're all. Oh my God, they're all assists. You do okay? Watch some of them. <laughs> Just They're all assists, and he's still tied for what sixth in goals. I know. Just it's stupid. <laughs> and what's even more impressive? Only one penalty taken thus far. Yeah, I think some of that's because he can't move. <laughs> hey, sometimes you're moving too fast, and it's too much for your own good. And no. and they and they've been doing the the smartest thing in the world, which is you know letting him take the faceoffs and then you know moving quote unquote to the wing and letting Connor you know take up the middle and it's and it is hysterical because when I went to that Kraken Oilers game and we were watching them do warmups, um, most of the other Oilers players have had left the ice and Connor and Leon were down in one of the face-off circles at their end doing like this tap pass drill where Leon had basically just, you know, stand still and Connor would swoop around him and Leon would just, you know, lay these beautiful saucer passes or these rip passes on Connor's forehand or backhand. And, and it's funny to watch them now rely on that. <laughs> You know, he just gets down there and he's got that big dry in frame and shields himself and just taps it to Connor, who blows everybody off. And, you know, it's just stupid watching those two together. 
It really is. And what, what's been kind of fun for me to watch is he's doing the uh, McDavid spin up towards the blue line to, to generate speed. Not that it takes Connor much, but just to get himself mobile and moving. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it's as if, oh, he's just been moving throughout the play the whole time. Like he, he's he's timing those instances, especially on the power play, very well. He's he's really got that float, explode, float mode going because he can't he, he can't. You know, the knock against him was always his skating. Right. Well, I had noticed the second year, I think, because he, he they called him up and they sent him back down his first year. And I had noticed in his second year, he had a lot more power in his stride. Like he, I think he did what I do in NHL, you know, be a pro mode. And I don't spend any time training on my shot. I spend all my time training on my skating in the off season. Like I'm just piling points into balance and, and speed, you know, Mm. in my training just to build that. And it looked like that's what he did one summer because second season he came Mm. back and looked like a different skater. You know, you made a great point right there because I finally said, uh, screw it. And I put up my first four point game as a be a pro as a defense or four goal game, excuse me, as a be a pro defenseman. And yeah, maybe I shouldn't invest any in the shot. No, because if you, if you take 10, 10 or 12 shots a game, you're going to get as much experience, um, you're going to get as much shooting experience in your accuracy and power as anything. So in the off season, I just pile it all into strength and skating. Cause you can muck it, you know, it depends on how, you know, it depends on how long the periods you play are and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I never put any, you know, the coach, the coach always assigns, you know, like one session of shooting or one session of something. And then I just gobble the rest up for skating and strength. Right. Right. And I think I honest to God, I think that's what he did one season because he's he's a lot faster than he was when he broke into the league and his feet when they're not broken. Um don't look as planted as they used to. So I mean even even now with you know with the injured wheel. God, I can't believe I said that. I am so sorry. I used one of those hockey bro terms. Ah, wheels, man. Um, even with the injured ankle, and I, I, a high ankle sprain, I think is what it's been sort of rumored to be. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. It doesn't seem to be impacting him that much. Whether he's compensating for it in one way or the other, you know, I think he's got. Like you were saying, he's he's got these ability to use short sort of short bursts and and deal with the pain i guess in those short bursts and then let everything else just come from his body and his that vision is ridiculous i mean that honest to god he thinks like in five dimensions you know typically your average skater gets the top speed in about three quick choppy strides connor can do it in one and a half but he is oh he's two steps above i i'll i'll continue to hammer this home until the 
the, the day he's gone or I'm dead, there we'll never see anybody faster in two strides than Connor McDavid. He is yeah. gone. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's not the fastest guy out there. Well, he's fastest when it counts, you know. We've, ha- we've talked about this before. He's the fastest when it counts in making space. One, two, gone. Fastest with the puck. With like two just, hands on the stick. I'm not I'm not yeah. talking about pushing. I'm talking pure puck control. Well, where he is able to take a crossover to generate speed and immediately go back when your average plebes like myself need three or four long strides to build up that momentum. No, he, he can go right back. He can take like a half stride and then yeah. cross over the other way. Yeah, I, you, you just go back and look at what he did to Morgan Riley. What was it, two seasons ago? That mm-hmm. that infamous ankle breaker, uh, you know, that's that's just, you know, he's he's got a, a, a he's got a talent we haven't seen. He's got a physical talent we haven't ever seen. I don't think. I don't think. I mean, Lemieux had unbelievable hands, but he didn't have that 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 vicious explosiveness. No, no, he he had the size and strength and fantastic hands. Yeah, and he was. It worked wonders compared to you know the rest of the league. Yeah, because he could he could undress you. He didn't he he could undress you and just blow and bowl his way through. McDavid can undress you and leave you in the dust. And it's it's weird because I was sort of thinking about this the other night. Um it's it's like they it's like they took Gretzky's vision and hands and put him in dry and then sort of gave dry saddle Mario Lemieux's frame. And I know I'm gonna catch hell for that. Um and then they gave like you know everything else from Gretzky and Lemieux they gave to McDavid because <laughs> people forget that Gretzky had some pretty good speed on him. You know, relative to the time, he is he was quick. He created a ton of chances in, in open space by building up speed in the neutral zone. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's right. just. You know, he—I don't want to say he was pigeonholed, but he—the Gretzky's office moniker kind of took some of that away from him. Well, you know how you get to be a stereotype, <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> By continually demonstrating that one, you know, that one thing, and that always ends up on the highlights because it just became such a thing. But yeah, like like you're saying, nobody remembers that. His half-board stuff was almost as dangerous as anything. You know, the way he the way he would float and find where the puck's going to be on the half-boards and set up shop, and then, you know, it was a it was a pitch and go, almost like a triangle that you know he'd punch it he'd punch it either back to the point or into the slot, and then he'd go down to his office, and then they'd get it to him, and then it was all bets are off. God, could you imagine if he tried to do a uh, a Michigan or a Michigan back in those days, as much time as the gay people gave him back there. No one would have ever complained about it ever. No, Sidney I, Crosby would still be doing them. Yeah, well, because Don Cherry wouldn't have 
chirped at him. Um, yeah. God, that'd be funny because, you know, back in those back in those days, nobody went back there, and especially when it was Gretzky, because you you know the fear was, dear God, stay out front because otherwise going to make you look stupid. Well, he'd make you look just as stupid if you stayed out front. God, I, God, that'd be so funny. Because he, you know, he could stand back there for two, three seconds. And all that time, you know, do a dish again or try a Michigan wraparound. Oh, man, that'd be funny. Oh, my God, that would have been funny. <laughs> yeah, so the Leon Drysaddle Power Hour. <clears throat> Only player in NHL history to have five, four, four or five consecutive games with three or more points. And he did it in the playoffs. He has more even strength points, five on five points than only one other person has in the entire playoffs. But yes, let's continue the narrative that he's only good on the power play. Mm-hmm. Now, Seven I, power play points, 18 even strength points, or five on five points. I will, we will put the asterisk up there that yes, he has been up playing with McDavid, but um, wasn't, who was up playing with Matthews? Um, some yeah. local kid who had a bit of a scary incident. Yeah, the, all all yeah. joking aside about his on ice stuff, that that's just terrifying. Yeah, you know, I don't wish any will on that kid. Not at all. He is as much as I dig on him. He signed a contract that was put in front of his face. They're stupid for giving it to him. He's not stupid for signing it. And. Everything else that happens to him off the ice is that was just disgusting, you know. And I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised the cops didn't nail him because that's got to be a fairly unique car, you know. <laughs> NHL players are not known for driving around in run of the mill. Range Rovers or Kia Sorentos. You know, they have to be pretty custom. They they generally, especially at that echelon, are generally pretty customized cars. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm happy he's okay. I hope he's going to be okay mentally because, you know, the PTSD from that, especially when there's weapons involved um, like that, um, is real, you know. So I wish him all nothing but the best. I want to see him succeed, goddammit. I do. Because he's just such an affable kid. But I'm still going to take pot shots at him every once in a while because it's fun. It's Toronto. And that really is. If he played anywhere else, I wouldn't care. But it's Toronto. If you took that roster, swapped them with the present day Florida Panthers. I'd say it would be not. just as fun to watch because oh, gotcha. you wouldn't have all the BS around it. Yeah. And I wouldn't be so actively rooting against them if they were the Florida Panthers. <laughs> you know, if that team, if that team got broken up and scattered to the four corners, you know, and if McDavid and Dreisaitl went to Toronto, I would, I'd 
they'd have to lock me up for however long the two of them were there because I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I can't have the Maple Leafs winning, and I can't not have Connor and Drysaddle being the two best players in the league. <laughs> I just can't. <clears throat> it would confuse me. I might, I, I might crash. I'm, I might require a hard shutdown and reboot, <laughs> and a, and a full solid, and a, and a full reboot. If the Leafs were to win one day. You have to know they go full Chicago Cubs. They their years of torment are over, and they immediately go right back into the cellar. But you still require the reboot, one hundred percent. I would probably crash before the final started. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I would, I would literally just be sitting there unable to blink and I would be watching it and none of it would be retained. You know, there's no short-term memory capture. There's no long-term memory, nothing. <laughs> I'm processing it. They won, you know, after they won. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, quick sidebar here. A little bit of trivia. Uh, the World Championships just wrapped up. Can you tell me who won the gold medal? Did Canada come back to win it? I didn't see the end of it. They did not. Finland hung okay, on so to Finland win. Okay, so Finland did. Okay, so I did see that that Finland gave up two goals to Canada when Canada had the goalie pulled, but I did not see who ended up pulling the game out completely. Well, good on Finland. Now, here's a bit of trivia that I just learned. One member of the Finnish national team roster just became the first Finnish member of the Triple Gold Club. Can you guess who that is? Olympics, juniors, and world championships. No, it no. is. It, technically, oh. the IWHF considers it and this doesn't make sense because we call it a gold club. Worlds, Olympics, and a Stanley Cup. Yeah, why does the IIHF recognize the Stanley Cup? Well, you know what? In fairness, it's better than recognizing World Junior. Okay, this but... is... It's one of their own tournaments. Um, oh, boy. I'm trying to think of a Finnish player that would have won the cup in the last couple of years, but whose team is out and who would have been a member. Oh, God, when did they win in the Olympics? Wasn't it the year that the. Was, no, was it? Was it Pyeongchang? Is it Rupe Hintz? I'm sorry, that answer is incorrect. God, nerds! Your correct answer is Valtteri Filippola, because oh he God. won with the 2008 Red Wings. And why the, hell, is, did, yeah, why the hell did I think Rupe Hansen won a cup yet? That was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it does get tricky, because I do forget already that Finland did win the, world, or the Olympic gold 
this year. Oh, it was in China, not not South Korea. Uh huh. Oh, he, I knew it was one of the two. And he was captain of that team and captain of today's gold medal winning uh, oh. World Championships team, which. I will go to box and feel much shame. Oh, by the way, um, should we we address the lack of, of someone? Uh, probably. She's on mute because <laughs> she's a woman. <laughs> now, Patrick, no, that's not true. Uh, no, it's not. No. No, but it's uh, amazing. We, th- we've we done like 145 of these, and this is the first time it's just been you and me. I know. <laughs> Th- this uh, is definitely our version of the kids' table show. Um, yes, Cass- Cassie is on assignment this week. Some- somewhere in the Keystone State, potentially. She is on a scouting mission for us. Um, for for potential late round draft picks, because <laughs> by God, the Pittsburgh Penguins will definitely need to land up uh, one or two of those in the coming years. Good Lord, you think they are? You want to talk about the Panthers? When it's going to need late round picks to to hit? Yeah, but at least they have a bit of a roster filled out with twenty somethings. Hashtag for now, as the kids might say, wait till those contracts start coming due. Well, they're already coming due next season. Mainly, you know, Barkov and uh, for Hagee, I guess, is another one that kicks in. But I mean, their average age just plummets with Joe Thornton being, you know, unsigned up until this point. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I don't want to eulogize Joe Thornton's career because we don't know, but I think it's pretty safe to say. <laughs> oh, he he's he's done in North America. Does he go over and play in Switzerland? I I think I said there was one team that would potentially sign him if he wanted another kick at the NHL can, but it is not a team that is anywhere near playoff consideration. The Arizona Coyotes. And that, and that gets into the question of, does Joe Thornton pick up his family and move back to Switzerland where his wife is from and live out the rest of his days on uh, an alpine dairy farm you know, shirtless with a big, huge beard, yodeling. Because what do they play, like 50, 40 or 50 games in the Swiss League? They get a two-week break, usually in the middle yeah. of the season. Uh, he most certainly would be playing in Geneva. Oh, yeah. So he... He can still have that farmhouse, but just a stone throw away from the most expe- one of the most expensive cities in the world. Do you think Joe cares? <laughs> oh no, no. I'm just speaking from personal experience. I mean that. Let, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Let's let's put it this way. Joe has saved a metric ton 
on barber visits, just alone? Well, or he has his wife take care of the top. Yeah, you know, he's saying you just get a pair of wall clippers and you know, boom. Yeah, it's he's he's saving on shaving cream. Oh yeah. Yeah, I. It's sad to see him go. I'm glad they gave him a game. Um, yeah, and he didn't. You could tell he was out of place, foot speed, but he didn't look bad. No, and that's sort of you know we wrap back around to Leon Drysaddle, who's out of place, foot speed. Um, you know because of an injury, but that just makes me kind of go, oh, you know, I think Joe's hands and you know the the quickness might be going, you know, and the rest of his game because that was always a thing. He was never terribly fast, right? No. He just had that ungodly vision and, and you know, a pair of, a soft pair of hands that could find people and just lay it right in their wheelhouse. I'm looking at you, Devin Setaguchi. Um So that kind of makes me think that, you know, and maybe it's just lack of, of, of game, mm-hmm. you know? Because he never had a problem getting into and creating space because of his size and allowing himself the time that he needed, you know, to to find someone to lay it off to and, you know, create an unreal freaking scoring chance for someone else. But, yeah, I fantastic. Oh, my God, fantastic player. Now... Here's here's a fun possibility. Do you think the Arizona Coyotes would play Joe Thornton for 65 games? Um, yeah, I do. Do you know what happens when he would hit that 65-game mark? Doesn't he... Doesn't he creep into most games played? 65 games is all it would take to tie Patrick Marlowe to tie Patrick Marlowe. How fitting would it be for those two to sit atop the record together? Oh my God. It'd be be another one of these that I'd have to, I'd have to worry about a reboot because I, you know, they played so long and never won a cup. You know, everyone else on that list at least has one. I'm I'm looking at the list. I am having to go down. Oh, you know who might be first on the list without a cup? Roenick? No, not Roenick. He didn't play that many. Um, no, no. But you, you're in the right region of the, the United States. Oh, God. Um... Ah, brain freeze. Actually, no, I, I take that back. My 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 bid is ruined. <sighs> By 14 games, but uh, Jerome McGinley oh, currently not. ranks 15th on the list. He is the first player where Sands Cup. Oh, Iggy. Unfortunately. 
But yeah, just, seriously. just a couple spots down is Shane Doan. Oh, yeah. Bringing the Coyotes connection full circle. You know, you keep you bring Phil back around for, you know, chasing a record because that can sell some tickets. Well, I don't think they need to worry about selling tickets. Every game is going to be a sellout. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> but get a few more national television uh, appearances because they'll have a few. They'll have to have a couple at some point. I, I think out of curiosity more than anything, they'll have to have a couple. <laughs> Did we ever? Yeah, it makes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just. I I don't remember if we ever talked about my theory on why the NHL is totally fine with this or not. I don't think we've gone into much detail, no. Yeah. Um, for everyone bagging on how the NHL could let this be and, you know, how do the owners, how are all the other owners okay with this and it's embarrassment to the league and yada, 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 they're capped at how much money they can get from revenue sharing. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they go. doesn't matter if they go play outside in a field. It doesn't matter. They're already capped. They're not getting any more money from the rest of the from the rest of the teams. What they do have a negative impact on is hockey-related revenue. Guess who's fine with that? All of the owners, because that means that the salary cap stays stays as flat as it can be. Escrow remains at the state that it is currently. So there you go. Why wouldn't NHL owners be okay with that? They're not they're not losing any more money at the end of the day. Individually, they aren't losing any more money than they were previously. And Morello's cost to operate the team oh, it's will go down extraordinary. It's it's expon- it's almost exponential because instead of having, you know, two and a half levels of arena, you know which one half of it is empty and concessions and um, staff and all of the other maintenance crap. You're now, you know, which I believe they were on the hook for, for games. They were, they had, well, they had entire operating license. Okay. Yeah. So now it becomes a shared revenue. Yeah. Now it becomes a shared cost. It becomes a shared cost and they're not filling other dates in the building and staffing those. Yep. Which, honestly, you do that, you do make a profit, but... That tends to be where you make your profit, but yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't happening for these 41 dates every year. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, the reason the NHL signed off on all of this is because it's fine. Keep the TV market because it's worthwhile. Keep the potential gambling market because it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Figure the rest out later. Hey, guess what? Oh, darn, the cap's not going to go up as much because our HRR went down. And anyone in the Players Association or certain unnamed agents that think they're going to, you know, negotiate some, you know, reduction of escrow for this upcoming season <laughs> based on this is full of it because 
escrow's getting capped anyway. Right. Right. So it, it honestly, it, it's honestly going to be a win-win for the players eventually too. Kind of, yeah. Because it can reset things faster and and get everything paid off quicker. Because if you keep the HRR down, players well, playing that, that fixed escrow, yeah. They're playing the fixed escrow, and then there's less money going in certain areas and less fuzzy accounting that needs to happen. Yeah. So, I, is it a, is it kind of an embarrassment? Eh. Nobody had. Let's put it this way: nobody had an issue with the Seahawks playing in Husky Stadium. Why? Well, because it was a big venue. Okay. Yeah. But it was still a collegiate owned, operated venue. Or the Los Angeles Chargers in the largest operating business entity that calls themselves a sports league. They were, they probably had a reduction in size and capacity similar to what the Coyotes are about to do. And it was just, well, we got to wait till this other thing's done. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, okay. Everyone had their cute jokes, but no one made that big of a deal out of it. Yeah. Short, short term pain for long term benefit. Yeah, we we still got to wait on a city council meeting to know if there is long term yeah. benefit here. But well, the nice thing about that is, I potentially think this will. We are coming to the end of the entire Coyote saga, one way or another. If that deal in Tempe does not go through, they have to relocate. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, there's that is that that has to be the last kick at the can. And what's going to be interesting is so would the Coyotes just eat the basically the next two years contract costs of fulfilling a lease agreement with Arizona State and just leave town the following season? Would this be a one-year experiment? Would, would would this be the entire, you know, the the whole Indianapolis Colt thing where they just pick up and move in the middle of the night? No, exactly. I, I think I think the league would encourage them to stay there because I think part of any relocation, it's not going to be an immediate really. It's not going to be someone waiting in the wings to um to pick at the dead corpse. Of the Coyotes, I think there'd be a process to encourage Morello to sell, and they'd have to find a buyer somewhere in a target market that they want to be in with an arena. You know, I think they'd. I would hope. Let's put it this way: I don't say I think. I would hope that that when we reach that precipice, that they would want to sit down and say, "Okay, we're not going through this entire." Goat rodeo with this franchise again. So let's find somewhere, someone more long term with long term stability. So I think there would be some process there. So they'd probably end up having to play in Arizona for a couple of years and they could do like a whole farewell tour 
Mm-hmm. And then if they wanted to get out early, it might be incumbent upon them to have the new owner pay, you know, the penalty to break the lease, so to speak. But uh, that poor franchise. <laughs> God, that well, poor franchise. You know what? Stranger things could happen. I mean, they could catch lightning in a bottle. They could go on some crazy playoff run, and by God, if they happen to play the Carolina Hurricanes, they may be able to win the dang thing in a college building. How's that for a farewell tour? Oh my God, wouldn't that be hysterical? Connor Bedard and Shane Connor Bedard leading the way for the Arizona Coyotes, winning winning the Stanley Cup while they're still playing at ASU in their last season at ASU. Oh, if you think price gouging for playoff tickets is bad now, oh. Do you do you think? And I I pondered this. Do you think if a potential Western Conference Final and Stanley Cup run were to happen, that the NHL would? How do I want to put this? Force one of the other arenas, like the whatever one the the whatever one the Suns play in, to host those games. Or does it go back to Glenda, Glendale and they put it in the football stadium? I don't think there's a chance in hell they'll do anything oh, to Glendale again. Well, I don't know if that stadium is privately owned or not. I, probably I not. Wouldn't matter. I don't think they I don't think they want anything to do with the city. God, that'd be hysterical. But a cup uh, just a Montreal Canadiens cup run in like two seasons time. Connor Connor Bedard leading the Arizona Coyotes to the cup in his second pro season. Technically, I actually know it'd be a first, wouldn't it? No, it'd be a second. Uh, second. Unless things really go well ahead of time. God, that'd be hysterical. I root. We. I. I think it's understood that we root for chaos, and that's and that's beautiful chaos right there. It really is. It's everyone walks away happy, except for Toronto media. Thank you. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like we said, everyone walks away happy. Oh, dear God. That would be hysterical. Let's let's will it into existence. <sighs> Those fans deserve something nice. They do. For the love of God, they do. We, we mutually know someone who is a Coyotes fan. And that's just... Uh, it's just like that just like that little brother that you know tries his damnedest and just can't ever seem to you know he always gets put on a bad baseball team in little league or gets put on the bad soccer team in in soccer and just tries his hardest to do everything he can but doesn't matter because just everything around him is broken and 
just heartbreaking and you just want to go i want to help you but i don't know how (laughs) thankfully our mutual friend did get to see a championship run from a different sport last season to bide the time this is true so it will happen for everyone out there one way or another except for toronto except for Toronto. that's right Because Toronto. <laughs> what, would so, it, what would it take for me to no longer despise Toronto to such? A uh, their population density would need to disperse all of Detroit's back in the 80s and 90s. And so, therefore, the number of the amount of coverage just goes down and down and down. Either that or U.S. you know media entities need to up their coverage of hockey. That's not happening. Do you think it's that or do you think it's certain people need to go away in that media? Oh, certain people definitely need to go away, but they have offspring. And they have trained the quote-unquote next generation. So... Coverage would just have to, those people go away. All right, now here's time for something completely different. <laughs> it have to happen. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. Would that be enough for me, though? <sighs> like... In the late 90s, early 2000s, the Leafs were kind of fun to watch. And it probably helped that, you know, I didn't have access to the Toronto Star. Why am I mentioning that publication? Oh, I don't know. I don't have access to the Toronto Sun. Why am I mentioning that publication? I'm not really sure. I wasn't getting those updates, you know quite as quickly or as easily. And I'm a guy that, you know, subscribed to SpectresHockey.net at SpectresHockey on Twitter. Sorry, Scotty Was, stealing your bit. <laughs> um, I was reading that in the late in the late nineties. Just like all of us that did, you know, the message board thing and Yeah, I'm I... it's just gotten bad excruciatingly bad you know what since the Vancouver Cup run in 2011 since that point in time it's just it's worse than inflation it really has hasn't it and that's about the only thing I could think that really set it off because you're closing in on a decade with no playoffs or playoff wins. Oh, here comes this other Canadian franchise with a, you know, interesting media base at the time. <laughs> Good choice of words. So that, that might have been the epicenter. I may have to go back and, and analyze the, the root of my hatred. I've uh, part of part of therapy has obviously been digging out 
I'm digging up some roots lately. Um, but enough about me being crazy. You you mentioned Detroit or Detroit or Detroit. Ladies and gentlemen, did everyone see the unrivaled trailer? And yes, if, sir, we did. And if you didn't, to our listening audience, pause right now. Please go find it, watch it, and then shout with me to the universe. This needed to be four episode, four 90-minute episodes. Because you can literally dedicate pretty much one entire episode to Mike Vernon and Patrick Waugh. Because that right there is is a Seinfeldian merging of multiple stories, converging, you know, know, convergence of multiple stories landing at one conclusion at the same time, right? The infamous Patrick Waugh in Montreal being left hung out to dry, walking behind the the coach and the bench and going to the club president and general manager and saying, I played my last game for you, um, was against the Detroit Red Wings with Mike Vernon in net. And Mike Vernon and Patrick Waugh, I love this story, had breakfast that morning of that game and were commiserating. Patrick Waugh was unhappy in Montreal. Things are not going well. He wasn't getting along with his coaches. Mike Vernon, who had been recently what, Pat? <laughs> Traded from Calgary mm-hmm. to Detroit, said getting traded was the best thing to ever happen to me. And then fast forward eight, nine, ten hours later, and Mike Vernon is standing at the other end of the ice watching Patrick Waugh go to the bench, skate, do the whole thing, get up there, and Mike Vernon's going, oh, what have I done? I might have had a hand in this. And there is the genesis to one of the great hockey fights. <laughs> and my God, the telecom ads, like we see with a certain uh, traded football player during broadcasts. Yeah. Oh, what they could have done just with those two alone. Yeah. <clears throat> I, you know, you, you fast forward not even a year, right? <laughs> Actually, it was a little... No, it wasn't even a year. (laughs) And the two of them are pounding each other in the center of the ice in that whole game. And that's just... Come on, you know. Come on! (laughs) That needs to be a separate episode. Yeah, it, it needs the full... Amazon or Last Dance series treatment because you got a deep dive into something. And some of that stuff, yeah, you kind of do, you know. Uh, 
And given the amount of names and faces they showed at the tail end of the trailer, and you need to watch the entire trailer, how many of these people are we actually going to hear for hear from outside of one soundbite? I want to hear from them all. I want exactly. You know, I I was I was going for more of a Beatles get back thing because you know they they sort of combed through all this footage because they obviously had footage of of these players back in the day talking about this too right because they opened Mm -hmm. we're we're going to spoil the trailer so if you haven't watched it's your own damn fault um and three two one they open with claude lemieux circa 1997 talking about what is a rivalry specifically in relationship to the whole detroit thing and showing interviews with chris draper because that was the event and Mm -hmm. The whole, oh, God, just, I hate this phrase because it's so cliched now, but just hook up a damn IV bottle of that entire thing. Give me all the footage. Give me all the footage. (laughs) Because I want to know, and you can see it in some of the players, especially Darren McCarty. Darren McCarty still absolutely hates Claude Lemieux. And in the interview that they cut to, or in the in his little soundbite thing that they cut to, when he's describing the difference between a cold cock and a sucker punch, <laughs> you know, and he's doing uh, the whole, if you look someone in the eye, it's, you know, it's, it's cold cock, you know, not a sucker, you know, you can see he still cannot stand Claude Lemieux. And, oh, God, Konstantinov. You know, mm. the the question at the end, um, I forget what it was exactly, but, you know, what was the, oh, oh God, yeah, to, yeah. to beat and, them. <laughs> and that was good enough. And then, you know, he was in the news for some other reasons this week, which just kind of, oh, it's heartbreaking. Sad. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> God. So. But. Oh dear! I just I want more than two hours. I do. Yeah, I no, do. It's there's so much there. I want to know if we'll. I want to know if we'll get more clues as to who Mister Meanie faces. <laughs> For those of you who don't know or may have not have ever heard, wow, there is a reference. The uh, the wonderful podcast Smart List with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes had Brendan Shanahan on, and they were in a conversation about um, fake anger, you know, guys who were getting angry for the sake of getting angry, trying to hype teams up and blah, blah, blah. And, and Shanahan said, you know, oh, yeah, there was one guy, especially on the Avalanche, who we called Mr. Meanie Face. And that became... Um, that became the mystery of mysteries because he would not name names. Shani was not going to name names, you know. So people were trying to figure out who Mr. Meanie Face was, and I swear up and down, it is Adam Foot. Okay, I thank swear you. Swear up and that's, down, Adam Foot. Whenever I hear that, that's where my mind immediately goes. That's if you went down that Avalanche roster '96 to to '90 or 2001, I swear it had to have been Adam Foot. Because he played with a chip on his shoulder, a burr under his saddle, a thorn in his boot, 
and a and you know someone peed in his Cheerios that morning. It had to be Adam Foot. There's there's no one even close to fitting the bill. I mean, everybody else would not have been on the ice. That you know you think of you think of the big yeah the the rough and tumble guys they had. They wouldn't have been on the ice against Shanahan that much. Like it, it doesn't fit Lemieux. No, when he eventually joins the team. It doesn't fit like a Mike Ricci because he has a role, but Santa Socialance maybe, but that's more like a Timo Meyer situation. Just a, it's a punchable face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, outside of that, no, it has to be. Yeah, has John, be you, know, you go back to the to the defensive core. Uwe Krupp, who's going to hate Uwe Krupp? Come on. Um, John Clem, you know, oh, Curtis Lecision. Yeah. Curtis Lecision, maybe. But you know yeah, he, he's but he probably played with half that Red Wings roster at some point. Yeah, that's true. Because so. I mean he was a he was a, a Mike Sillinger before Mike Sillinger. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Oh, and and he started well no. No, because it was after he left Colorado where he started hopping around. So maybe not. Because he, he, he started as a teenager in Quebec. Yeah, that's yeah. he did stay with them throughout that and then left. He still yeah. played with and he, moved with two different franchises. Yeah, but the whole... So that counts as four teams. Yeah, but the whole Mr. Meanie face thing would have, would have been before he ever left because, you know... So, yeah, because he, he left... Right. Or no, he was traded the year after the Cup. Yeah. So right before Detroit won their back-to-backs. So it's potentially, so he's in the running. But given longevity, you know, nobody's going to call Alex Tangay Mr. Meanie Face or Sackig Mr. Meanie Face or Milan Hayduk or Forsberg or... Um, and, and no one's saying it's a Chris Simon. No, because Simon's not out there that much, right? Yeah. You know, maybe... Sh- Shajan, Shajan Podine. But, you know, if, if those three horses are in the running, I'm pointing at Adam Foote and I'm putting all my money on that sucker for the win. He has to be Mr. Meanie Face. Because, God, that was hysterical. They just, Shanahan sitting there describing about how they, how they, you know, yell at the bench. Oh, yeah, you care more than the rest of us. <laughs> It's just too funny. Again, if you haven't, yes, we will promote other people's podcasts if they have content worth listening to. And if you haven't listened to that episode of Smartless with Brenda Shanahan, it's a couple years old, but go listen to it. It's still hysterical. You know who it could have been had the trade not taken place that first season? Owen Nolan. He looks like he put on a meanie face. Oh, he did. He was a snarly SOB in San Jose. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. I want to know who the guy in Toronto was that they were talking about too. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I'm just gonna to have to go back and listen to that episode again. Too many, yeah. too many pearls drop, yeah. which has me optimistic because the trailer actually makes it seem like Shanahan's going to talk. Yes, that's kind of why I wanted to get. I was wrapping around the whole Shanahan thing because. Yes, he's going to talk and he's going to swear because he was one of the two people that got bleeped out. Mm-hmm. And that makes me happy. 
Cause... Because he has a pulse, except for when he's in front of a microphone in Toronto. Uh, except when he's when he's got his Toronto Maple Leafs president hat on. But when he is, you know, he is he is of two personalities. There is the president of hockey operations and lord and savior of Toronto Maple Leafs, very buttoned down corporate. And then there is the guy who is not that. The guy who loosens his tie at 5.01 p.m. when, when he's he, off the clock. Yeah, when he remembers that <laughs> there's no bell or whistle to let him know when he's done working. Um, which is another callback to that episode, which was funny. Um, yes, you get him talking about anything. And I think he is able to context Silo. We're not talking about my operations with the Leafs and everything. Okay, great. Let's have fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he you is know. funny. <laughs> Don't expect much from Steve and Iserman. Actually, I'm hoping. I think I'm just you're not optimistic. Get, I think you're gonna get some stuff out of Stevie on this. I think you are. You know, I've heard some fun stories about Iserman from some reporters and editors in Detroit, but you know he. Good Canadian boy. He, he he fits that mantra. Yeah, but I think this is one of those subjects, Pat. You know? I hope so. I hope so. My I, only thought is he does represent the Red Wings present day. I don't think he's going to care. I, I hope so. And, you know, the same could be said for Sackick. I think this is one of those moments in time in a history and it deals with them as players and it's not reflected today. You know, they're, you can say they're reflecting on their franchise today, but you pull any abs and Red Wings fan, not a single one of them is going to care because that was peak entertainment for them. It was peak entertainment. It was hell. It was peak entertainment for everyone in hockey. Mm-hmm. It's back when hockey uh, appreciated drama. When some snarl, you know, there's a little bit of snarl in some of these games. You know, the Battle of Alberta kind of went really quick. But... Mm-hmm. There was there was snarl, but it was always competitive. These two teams are always going at each other, and we don't have that anymore. There's oh, yeah. not really a modern day rivalry. Not, not... I, I. I don't care. I don't care. Boston, Montreal, nope. Boston, Toronto, and anyone, nope. No. Toronto and their fans exists. <laughs> I mean, between two L- teams, LA and Vancouver, Anaheim. Yeah, Vancouver, Chicago. Eh. Eh. That was the closest thing I had. We had San Jose and Vegas is pretty. It's getting there, but the linchpin's gone. It's it's going to yeah. weaken. There's well, there's there's Santa, there's Vegas, everyone in Vegas, um, everyone in Vegas's front office has a rivalry. Um, San Jose is also still a lot of people in San Jose are still butt hurt that about that Tahoe game that they didn't that the Sharks didn't get it because they considered that Tahoe area part of Sharks territory. I'm like it's in 
the state that the Golden Knights are in. Okay. And they were going to draw a better TV number than you, so... Especially the way your team was playing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, uh, okay. I think I've prattled on long enough. Enjoy. Hey, guess what? We don't have any games Monday. No, we don't have any games tonight. But when you're listening to this, you have game one of the Western Conference Final to watch. We didn't even talk about the Mac and Mick fight. Oh, dear God. I look forward to it so much. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be so much fun watching McKinnon and McDavid. And then Drysaddle just standing there going, okay, here you go. Bye, Connor. Okay, here you go. Bye, yeah. Connor. And he's telling Connor, yeah, um, draw that hit away from me. Keep, keep that head of lettuce away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, that's going to be so much fun. That is going to be must-watch hockey. I'm sorry, kids. Mm-hmm. If if only for the fact of, you know, watching this spastic goaltending of Mike Smith against a team that has more than two guys that are capable of scoring right now. And here's the other thing. Whomever comes out and survives that series, I think we're leading towards an equally entertaining and less of a snooze fest final. Well, yeah, we're almost guaranteed to, right? Because you're going to have a a burner, an all-star world caliber burner on one team. You know, two guys that can literally pick the puck up in their own end, blow by and undress everyone and lay it in the net at any given time. And then on the other side, a team going for a three-peat because, yes, it curse. doesn't matter who wins that game seven Monday night. Um, they aren't beating Tampa. Tampa's, they're not beating Tampa. I've I've said for the last what three weeks, Tampa's playing with their food right now. Mm-hmm. Tampa's just playing with their food. It may be a six or seven game season uh, series. There might be some drama. It might be entertaining. Tampa's it, pulling this one out. Yeah, but at no point are you going to sit there and worry about Tampa not being able to to close out that series, you know. No, it did take Vasilevsky going down for me to have any concern, honestly. I wouldn't even. Maybe against the Rangers. Really? No, because Carolina would have home ice, and their offensive output is much better at home. <laughs> but here's the thing uh, Tampa's power play will just destroy them because they take way too, too many penalties this is true. so no matter how that series whatever the makeup is we're actually looking at some entertaining conference finals we don't always get that the, the third round's usually where we get the snooze fest and honestly the second round was our snooze fest this season but there was just enough good stuff in the right series to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Kadri and Kane. McDavid and McKinnon. Drysaddle and Rantanen. 
JT Comfer and Josh Manson? No, I was going with Nugent Hopkins there. Uh, well, Manson made, you know, a more impressive save than his starting goalie in that game six, but <laughs> and let this be a lesson to all of you. It's not necessarily the individual goaltender that makes goaltending good or bad. It is a team sport, and every team, every member of the team can contribute to every role. And this is your moment of Zen for the day. This is Zen with 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees. <laughs>